everybody, right? I love Easter. I love getting the Easter clothes. In fact, I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all clean up good. You look good. In fact, just look at your neighbor. Tell them, you're looking good today. Yeah, I mean, I love Easter. There's so many fun things that happen this time of year, the beginning of spring and all that it represents. It's a great, great time. And yet there is something even greater than all of the traditions. It's not just about what we do, but it's about who we worship. It's about who this whole season is really all about. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. In fact, as you came in today and you got your worship guide, you may have noticed that the title of today's message is the goat. Everybody say the goats. Now some of you are going, what is that all about? I have no idea how the goat has anything to do with Easter. And some of you may not really know what the goat represents, but if you are a sports fan here, how many sports fans do we have in the house all over the room? Come on. All the guys are raising their hand. All the ladies are kind of rolling their eyes. You know, guys are like, sweet, we're going to talk about sports on Easter. All right. If you are a sports fan, how many can tell me just out loud what the goat stands for? Come on greatest of all time. I saw some of the ladies saying it too. G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. And if you follow sports, you know that there are some great, great sports athletes. I mean, amazing, amazing athletes. But then on top of the great athletes, they have some that just stand out above them all. The greatest athletes. In fact, they kind of call them the greatest, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And I was just thinking about some of the, some of the athletes that you might call the greatest of all time. I mean, just recently, a few months ago after the Super Bowl, they were talking about Tom Brady, talking about the Patriots, how Brady, because all the Super Bowls he's won, was the greatest. He was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And I know some of you aren't Patriots fans, so you feel a little deflated. Come on, I got jokes. I got jokes. Yeah, come on. You better laugh or I'll get more of them going. I'm just saying. Tom Brady, man, greatest greatest football player of all time. Or then you might think about uh, you might think about basketball. Now there's no debate when it comes to basketball. LeBron James eats your heart out, but we know that the greatest of all time is who? Come on, Michael Jordan, MJ, greatest of all time. Then you can think about golf. Do we have any golfers in the house? Come on, I like golf. I got like two of you. Come on, help me out here. Come on, help me out. Golfers in the house. I, I love golf, and there's a little bit of debate about who's the best, the greatest of all time in golf. It might be Jack Nicklaus. Might some of you on there ain't no debate it is Jack Nicholas. some people say it's Tiger Woods I don't know I really like Phil Mickelson but man the greatest greatest of all time you think about boxing you got the self-proclaimed greatest of all time Muhammad Ali in fact he said I am the greatest I don't know if that counts if you said it but probably he is the greatest and it's not just sports but even you could talk about you could talk about music how many music fans do we have in the house you could talk about you know like your favorite rock band or the greatest rock band of all time most people would probably say it's the Beatles you know, most influential. Then you got movies, and there's some great movies. And if you've been around here long enough, you know that there is no debate about what the greatest movie of all time is. Come on, the Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, man, it is the greatest movie of all time. Or you could think about women, some of the greatest women of all time. I mean, amazing women, people like Rosa Parks, people like Amelia Earhart, women like, not Earhart, Earhart, okay? Women like, uh, women like, 
like Mother Teresa. I mean, you talk about the great things that she did and how she gave her life for so many, many others. And here's what we're going to be doing starting today. We're beginning a series called Legendary. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about a legendary passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to see some great men and great women of faith in the Bible. In fact, this chapter is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. I'm talking about some great men and women, people like Moses and people like Noah and Abraham and Rahab and Joseph. And I mean, amazing, amazing men and women of faith, some of the greatest of all time. But today, since we are on Easter and this is what we celebrate, we have to talk about the absolute greatest of all time, Jesus, right? Come on. Jesus is the goat. So everybody look at your neighbor and just tell them, Jesus is the goat. Jesus is the goat. He is the greatest, absolutely the greatest man who has ever walked the face of this earth. In fact, notice what the scripture says about it in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. If you have your Bibles or your LifeGate app, you may want to turn there and look at it with me today. It says, God made his name what? Greater than any other name. That what we celebrate today, that who we celebrate today is Jesus. He is the greatest of all time. His name is greater than any other name. In fact, we're going to look at some great names in Hebrews chapter 11. But right after Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 12, almost like kind of the continuation of the Hall of Fame of Faith, The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 that after you have looked at these great men and women of God, Moses and and Abraham and Joseph and these great men and women of God, after you have looked at them and learned from their life, here's what you are called to do. You are called to fix your eyes on who? On Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on this man named Jesus, this man that we celebrate today, and we're going to look at what is it that makes this man so great. We're going to look at three things that I see from the scripture about the greatness of who Jesus is. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. You can follow along in your LifeGate app as well today. The first one is this. We've got to know that no one ever spoke like Jesus spoke. In fact, you think about some of the things that Jesus said. You think about some of the claims that he made, some of the stories that he told, some of the messages that he brought. You think about his words were legendary. In fact, the scripture says it like this in John chapter 7 and verse 46, that the words that he says are greater than the words of any other person who has ever spoken. The scripture tells us that his words are greater than any words that have ever been spoken. Now, that's a pretty bold claim when you think about it. And yet, when you begin to examine the words of Jesus, you begin to examine the claims that he made and the teachings that he had, you will see that they were pretty extraordinary. Like, he made some pretty outrageous and radical claims. I mean, just think about some of the things that Jesus said. I mean, first of all, he said that he was God. Now, think about that for a second. In in John chapter 10 and verse 30, he says, I and the Father 
are one. Now think about that, what that means. That, that means that Jesus was saying that I'm on the same level as God. Now think about that. Back in those days, that would have been a pretty outrageous thing to say. That would have been a pretty big deal. But not just back in those days. Even in our days, if someone were to stand up and say, I'm the same as God. I am God. If I were to stand up here today and tell y'all, hey, y'all, I'm God. Y'all would be like, that dude's crazy. Something wrong with him, right? And yet Jesus made this claim. He said that I am God. And not only did he say that I and the Father are one and that I am God, he also said that he was the only way to get to God. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, if you were just to go out on the street today and just kind of ask some people like, how do you get to God? How many know you would get a whole lot of different answers, right? Because there's a whole lot of different beliefs. You know, you might have some that say, hey, you know, you got you to gotta follow Buddha or some that say, hey, you got you to follow Hinduism or some that would say you got to follow Muhammad or some that would, you know, atheists that would say there is no God, so you can't get to him, you know. And others that maybe, especially in America, we might hear this is that you just be a good person. You know, just do, do a, a bunch of good stuff and live a good life and walk some old ladies across the street every now and then. And if you can be good enough, then somehow you can earn your way to God. Others might say, hey, there's a whole lot of different ways to get to God that, you know, you could follow any of these different religions and every path leads to him. He's like the hub and all the spokes lead to him. But if you look at what Jesus said, he said something completely different than all of that. In fact, in the scripture, he says in John 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, that no one comes to the Father except what? Everybody say it, except through me. Jesus says, hey, not only am am I a way, I am the way, I am the only way to get to God. Now, you talk about some bold, outrageous claims that he made. In fact, he didn't just claim that he was the only way to God. He actually claimed that he could give us eternal life. Think about that for a second. I mean, for centuries, from the very beginning of time, people have been looking for a way to live forever, to live longer, to not age, to live for eternity. And Jesus comes along and says, through me, you can actually live forever. He says in John 10 and verse 23 that his sheep will know his voice and he will know them and they will follow him and that he will give them what? Give them eternal life. Man, some, this is some bold, outrageous stuff that he said. Not only did he say that, he said, I can actually die and come back to life again. I have power over death. He said, I'm going to go into that grave and on the third day, I'm going to raise again. He said in John chapter 11 and verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You talk about some legendary, outrageous, radical claims that this man made. But here's, here's the deal today is that not only did he say these things, he proved that these things were true by doing them. In fact, that's why we celebrate the resurrection today. That's why Easter is so important that when Jesus went to that cross and went into that tomb, but on the third day he rose again, what he did was he proved that he was who he said he was, that he could do what he said that he could do. And that changes everything. Because the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people who make big claims, but not very many who actually follow through. We've seen it before. You've seen it in people in your life. We've seen it with politicians and leaders and 
even in pastors sometimes, people who will say things, but then those things don't actually come to pass. But Jesus didn't just say things. He actually did them. He backed them up with his life, with his death, and with his resurrection. Jesus is the greatest, greatest of all time. No one had ever spoken the way that Jesus spoke. Number two, write this one down. Not only had no one ever spoken as Jesus spoke, but no one has ever served like Jesus. In fact, you think about this. Here's Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, and yet he did not see greatness as something to aspire to or something to strive for. In fact, as you read about him in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 6, it says that Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit, but instead he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. Now think about this. Here's the greatest man who has ever lived, and yet he humbles himself to the place of saying, I will be a servant. Now you think about that for a second. Like in our world today, when we talk about some of these men that we put on the screen and some of these, some of these people that we would call in our culture great, most of the time you would see that they aspired to greatness. They wanted to be great. They want everybody to know that they're great. They, they don't care who they step on in order to get to the top and be great. I mean, you think about most of the people in our world that we see that are, that are famous and that we would say, hey, look how great they are. Most of them are not interested in serving others. They're interested in having others serve them. And yet here is Jesus, the greatest man that ever lived. And what made him the greatest man that ever lived was that he didn't come to be served by others, but to serve us. He saw greatness in a different light. And that's what he calls every one of us to live as well. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, he said to his followers, he said, you know, the rulers of the non-Jewish people and how they love to show their power over the people and their important leaders that love to use their authority. Everyone look at me and see how great that I am. But he says, this is not the way that it should be among you. For whoever wants to become great among you must serve the rest of you like a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must serve the rest of you like a slave. And in the same way, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve others and to give his life life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, hey, there is a new way to be great. And the new way to be great is not to aspire to greatness, but the true way to be great is to make others great. Come on, y'all to write that down. Tweet that out. Hashtag good preaching. That's good stuff right there. The way to greatness is to make others great. And that's what Jesus did. He, he came not to be served, but to serve Us, no one had ever lived like this before. No one ever spoke like Jesus. No one ever served like Jesus. Number three, write this one down. No one ever loved like Jesus. How many would agree with me that love's a pretty big deal? That everyone's looking for it. Everyone wants it. Everyone needs it. In fact, I mean, you just look at at our culture and our society today, and that seems to be the greatest pursuit of every person to somehow find love. You turn on the radio and every song is about love or finding love or falling in love. You watch movies and almost every single one of them has something to do with relationships and, and with love. And yet, as important as this is in our lives, the truth of the matter is, as human beings, we really don't understand what true love is really all about. 
Because the truth is, is that as humans, our love is conditional. You know, I mean, like, I'll love you if you love me back, right? I'll love you if you do good things for me. I'll love you if you look good. I'll love you if you say nice things about me. I'll love you. But if you don't do those things, then I'm not going to love you. In fact, it reminds me of the little boy in the, like the third grade class who wrote the, you know, he saw the little girl that was cute and he liked. And so he wrote the little note, you know, the notes that say, hey, I love you. Do you love me? If you love me, check yes, right? George Strait wrote a song about it. If you don't love me, check no, right? And then down at the bottom of the note, he put a little P.S. and said, P.S., if you check no, I hate you, you know? How many know that's the way we are as, as human beings sometimes, that we, that we love with strings attached? But Jesus proved a different way to live. That, this is what makes this man so great, that he didn't love with conditions attached. He loved us unconditionally. His love was not about what we do. His love was about who he is. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about that for a second. That even though we didn't deserve it, even while we were still sinners, even before we came to him asking for forgiveness, he loved us so much and he proved that love for us that there were no conditions to his love, that even when we were sinners, he loved us enough that he died for us. Think about that for a second. Like, I love y'all, but I'll just tell you, I ain't going to die for you. I'm just saying, I ain't. Like, I might, but no, I, no, I won't. I actually, I won't. And, and the deal is, is that even if I was going to do something great for you, probably I'd be like, hey, you go straighten stuff up first and then I'll do something for you, right? But that's not the way Jesus did. Jesus said that even while you're still a sinner, I'm going to give my life for you. And there was no guarantee. Think about this for a second. When Jesus went to that cross, there was, he had no guarantee that when he gave his life for us that we would turn around and give our life for him. But he did it anyway. He went to the cross just in case. Think about how great that kind of love is for you and for me. No one has ever been greater. No one has ever spoken the way this man spoke. No one has ever, no one has ever served the way this man served. No one has ever loved the way this man loved. Some of you say, well, that's, that's good, Pastor. Great little, nice little Easter sermon. You know, you could have made them all start with the same letter, but, you know, good try there, you know, and good little Easter sermon. Great, but how does that have anything to do with me? Well, let me tell you something. It has everything to do with you. You see, the greatness of Jesus makes all the difference in our life. The fact that he came to this earth, he lived that life, he went to the cross, he died a gruesome death, he went into the tomb, but he didn't just stay in the tomb on that third day. He rose to life again, and it makes all the difference for you and me. In fact, let me just give you just a couple of things today. The first one is this, the greatness of Jesus simply means this, that you can have healing from your past. Some of you are in this room right now, and you're carrying a heavy weight of your past. You're carrying around stuff from your past that is burdening burdening you and weighing you down. Some of you, maybe it's some past sins. And maybe even as you're sitting here today, you're going, well, that sounds good, Pastor, but you don't really know what I did. You don't know the sin that I committed. And sure, God can forgive you and your nice little pastor life, and you never really did anything bad, but you don't know what I've done, and how could God ever forgive me? And you carry around the guilt and the weight of your sin and of your 
your past and you think that there could be no forgiveness. But I'm telling you, the resurrection means that there is forgiveness for you and for me. That there is no sin that is too great. That Jesus is not greater. Some of you are here today and maybe you've got some past hurts. The truth of the matter is you walk in and you're carrying around the hurts of what people have done or what people have said, tragedies that have happened in your life, things that have happened, people that should have been there for you that weren't there for you, people that should have protected you, but instead they hurt you or they abused you or they abandoned you in in difficult and tragic situations that have happened in your life and you're carrying around the weight of your hurt. And let me just tell you something, the greatness of Jesus means this, that even when you have been hurt, Jesus has experienced that same kind of pain that you may be experiencing today. In fact, in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, it says that he was hated and he was rejected. His life was filled with sorrow and terrible suffering that no one even wanted to look at him. We despised him and said he's a nobody and he suffered and endured great pain for us, for you. For me, he went to that cross and he died. He experienced the pain, but he rose again on the third day so that even the pain of your past could find healing. Some of you are here today and you're carrying around the pain of some past failures. Some of you had a dream in your heart, what God called you to be, but maybe you, maybe you messed up. Maybe it's a failure in your marriage. Maybe it was a failure as a, as a parent. Maybe a failure in a relationship. Maybe you have areas of your life that once were vibrant and once were alive, but now they seem, they seem dead. You have a marriage that's on life support. You have relationships that seem too far gone. But here's the good news of the resurrection is that Jesus rose from that grave. And if he rose from the grave victorious over death, there is no situation, there is no relationship, there is nothing in your life that is too far dead and too far gone that Jesus can't bring a resurrection today. There's healing for you, for your past. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Romans 8 and verse 11, that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I'm telling you, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, it can bring life to our mortal marriage. It can bring life to our mortal relationship. It can bring life to our mortal family. The resurrection means that there is nothing that is too dead that Jesus can't bring back to life. See, that's what we celebrate today. The greatness of Jesus is that you can have healing from your past. Number two, you can have not only healing from your past, you can have help for your present. Everybody say help. Help. How many know some of you are here today? And you're going, that's great what Jesus did for my past. Thank you, Lord, for that. But, man, I got some stuff right now. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? I got some problems. I got some situations, some circumstances that I'm, that I'm carrying around, and I feel, I feel helpless. I feel, I feel powerless. In fact, I'll just be honest with you today. There are some circumstances and situations in my life right now as a leader, as I lead this church. There are families that are going through tragedies that I don't, I feel powerless. I don't know how to help them. There are, there are situations that as we are growing as a church and decisions that we are making, that it takes, takes some huge faith. And there are nights I wake up in the middle of the night and I, I think, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. I don't know how it's going to happen. And honestly, there are times when I just, I feel helpless. Come on, how many ever felt? 
felt like that before, right? And let me just tell you something today. If you feel helpless, if you feel powerless, let me tell you, you are. Now, don't you feel encouraged? Yeah? I came to Easter. You get encouraged. And the pastor told me I'm helpless. Yeah? Well, guess what? You are on your own. You can't get through what you're going through on your own. But here's the good news. There is a help that is available to you. There is a power that is available to you that because of the power that raised Christ from the dead, there is no circumstance or situation that we do not have power over through him. The scripture says in Ephesians 1 and verse 19, it says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Look at those words. For us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The scripture says for us that believe in him, there is no circumstance that we can go through that is too great, that Jesus is not greater, that his power in us and for us and through us is greater than any circumstance or situation that we may face in our life. That's what the resurrection means. It means that I can have help for my present Number three, write this one down. It means I can have hope. Everybody say hope. I can have hope for my future. I mean, no hope is a powerful thing. Like when you have no hope, man, man, it's bad. But when you, when you have even just, even just a glimmer of hope can make all of the difference. It's what can keep you going in the midst of struggles. When you just have just that little bit. In fact, it reminds me of, reminds me of the critically acclaimed movie from back in the 90s, Dumb and Dumber. Come on, anybody remember that movie? You might remember in the movie, you know, Lloyd Christmas and his, the whole movie is him searching after Mary Swanson, man. He wants to get Mary Swanson to fall in love with him. And it's obvious he has no hope, no chance at all of ever having her fall in love. But she, he follows her around everywhere. And at the, towards the end of the movie, like the moment of truth comes and the music gets just real right, you know, into that romantic mood and the opportunity comes and he looks at Mary Swanson and you see him with that chili bowl hair and that chipped tooth and he looks at her and says what do you think are the chances that we could ever get together right and Mary Swanson looks at him and all of a sudden she goes I would say the chances are one in a million and all of a sudden the music just stops and you think like he's gonna be crushed but then you see this twinkle all of a sudden in his eye and he makes that goofy grin and he looks at her and says so you're telling me there's a chance how many know that's hope right there And here's the good news of the resurrection, that even when it seems hopeless, there's still hope because of what Jesus did. Even when you are in that situation where it seems like the chances are one in a million, if Jesus went to the grave and rose from the dead on the third day, I'm telling you, there's always a chance. Some of you come in carrying around anxieties and fears and worries about the future, about what the future might hold. But can I tell you that he holds the future in his hand. And because of the resurrection, you can have hope for your future. The scripture tells us in Matthew 12 and verse 21 that in Jesus, the nations will put their hope. In Colossians 1.22, it tells us that Christ in you, in me, in us is the hope of of glory. Here's the deal, guys. Without Jesus, without what we celebrate today, without the resurrection, there is no hope. We are hopeless. You see, the Bible tells us that we have sinned, that we are hopeless in our sins, that every one of us, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned 
and we fall, we fall so short of the, the glory of God, that God's righteous standard is so great that no matter how good of a person you are, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how much you try to measure up to God's standard, you can never do it on your own. It is hopeless. And because, because of that, that there is a penalty, that because we have sinned, there is a there is a payment that must be paid for our sin. In Romans 6.23, it says that the wages, the punishment, the penalty of our sin is, is death. And here's the deal, guys, is that we can never pay that payment on our own. It reminds me of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had, in the Jewish culture, what was called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, what they would do is, the tradition was that they would take, they would take a goat, a perfect goat, and, and the priest would take that goat and would take and put his hands on the head of the goat, signifying that all of the sins of Israel for all of that year on the Day of Atonement would be placed upon the head of that goat. And then someone would take the goat and they would lead the goat out into the wilderness and they would release that goat with all of the sins of Israel placed upon its head out into the wilderness, signifying that it would carry away all of their sins. In fact, this is where we get our terminology today, a scapegoat. How many ever heard of a scapegoat before? When someone is guilty and yet someone else takes the blame and the guilty person gets off scot-free. And can I tell you today that every one of us are guilty? We have all sinned and we fall woefully short of God's righteous standard of his glory and we could never pay the payment on our own. But here's the good news is that Jesus is the GOATS. He is not only the greatest of all time, he has taken all of our sins upon himself that when he went to that cross, when they nailed the nails into his hands and into his feet and they thrust the spear into his side and they put the crown of thorns upon his head, that as he hung on that cross, on that hill, on that day, he was the scapegoat. All of our sins were placed upon him and he, as he went into that tomb, but then rose again on the third day, He carried away our sins upon himself. He paid the penalty and the payment. And all we have to do is receive it. See, here's the deal. Is that it's a free gift. It's a gift that Jesus gives to us. No one one has ever given a gift like this. No one has ever spoken the words like he spoke and backed them up. No one has ever served in the way that he served. No one has ever loved in the way that he loved. No one has ever given in the way that he gives. And we can receive that free gift, the greatness of his grace and his mercy and his love. But you have to receive it today. You can walk out of this place today knowing that your life is his and you can live forever in eternity. Or you can walk out of this place separated eternally from God. And the choice is up to you. God has done the work. Now all you have to do is receive the gift that he has given you.